0: Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Jay and Ellie. I'm Lorelai Weisel. I'm Brian Dawes. I'm Kerry Thomas. And I'm
1: Ethan Fleischer.
0: Welcome, Ethan! So, for those of you at home, it is probably M20 preview season. You've probably seen cool stuff, but we record this the week before, and all we have seen are some Chandra's. So today we have a special guest, Ethan Fleischer from Wizards of the Coast, who is going to talk with us about his set, Magic Horizons. Now, Ethan, can you? It's called Modern who who... Horizons, but okay. <laughs> oh my god, I'm the worst. <laughs> He's here to talk to us about Modern Horizons.
1: Thanks for having me on the Vorthos Show.
0: <laughs> Calm <Come> down. Um... <laughs> All right, it's our pleasure, Ethan. <laughs> All right. So, Ethan, uh, for those people at home who do not necessarily know who you are, can you introduce yourself and let us know a little bit about what your role is in R&D?
1: Right, so I'm Ethan Fleischer. I'm a game designer at Wizards of the Coast. Technically, I'm a senior game designer. Um, I have been working almost exclusively on designing paper magic products so uh i was on the design teams for gate crash theros commander 2013 born of the gods vintage masters fate reforged battle for zendikar commander 2015 eternal masters oh my goodness there's a long list masters 25 dominaria magic 2013 magic origins shadows over innistrad ether revolt ixalan Uh, And I led several of these design teams also, Journey into Nyx, Commander 2014, Oath of the Gatewatch, Commander 2016, Corset 2019, Modern Horizons, and according to this wiki page, Signature Spellbook Gideon.
0: (laughs) Well, it's a good thing you're reading it off the wiki, because that's known to be super reliable. Well,
1: it's a huge list, and it would definitely be hard to uh, figure it all out without... The, the tireless efforts of the people on the magic wiki the wiki doesn't even
2: have a page for gerhardt
1: yet come on <laughs> oh, well <laughs> why you know it is user editable you could solve that problem
2: eh.
1: is ram ram at least on there uh ram of course Ram
2: has a page oh okay
0: i have lorelei's ip address logged and i just set it to auto wipe anything she adds
2: oh well that's probably safe I'll just go to the
0: library. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, well, we've covered some of our, our first questions here. So let's get down to Brass Tacks with... Um, so how were the top-down legendary creatures chosen for this set? So we've got a lot of cards like Urza, Yawgmoth, Pashalik Mons, uh, Sise that are really awesome deep dives that a lot of the vorthos are really happy about uh what was the process behind picking these creatures so
1: it kind of goes back to the original time spiral set where we put a bunch of legendary creatures in that set that were old characters that appeared in flavor text or in card names or in the case of uh, stonebrow i think he was just in the novels uh and I loved that. I was so happy about it. I loved seeing all these characters that I had had seen on Magic cards before. So as soon as I got to Wizards of the Coast, I was like, "We should do more of this." Um, so when I one of my earliest leads was Commander 2014, I was like, "Let's get some, let's get some old legendary creatures in here. Let's get even some old Planeswalkers in here," and the fans loved it. I loved it. It was super fun. So when it came time to do Modern Horizons which is, like, my homage to Heim- Time Spiral. Like, let's remake Time Spiral. Uh, I was like, we got to get legendary creatures in here. But there was there was more going on in Modern Horizons than just calling back to old creative stuff. We also, like, had other, other things we wanted to do. We kind of wanted to, to cram in all the stuff that just didn't fit into other sets, but that we knew players would like. So that was kind of how we ended up with cards like Morathon or uh Ayula. Which like these these are cards we know will be appealing, that people will love to play with, but don't necessarily call back to specific older characters that have already been
2: referenced somewhere else. Yeah, we f- you finally got your Bear Lord in. Yeah, that <laughs> one was definitely
1: I mean the the name of the game for Modern Horizons was Self-Indulgence
3: and uh I think <laughs> Ayula exemplifies that and related to that a little bit was sarah put into the set purposefully or did she evolve from some kind of other white planeswalker design that you guys had had and then you thought we can make this sarah
1: sarah was always sarah um yeah i i I basically i i tried to um once once we knew that we were gonna put um old planeswalkers pre-mending planeswalkers in commander 2014 i tried to find a way to make sarah work and but the the design was kind of too far along and, and, and it ended up uh being that we wanted to use nahiri instead because she fit better with the the concept of the artifacts and the equipment and stuff that were in the uh in that white deck uh and ever since then i was like oh man i blew the chance to make a sarah card and so i just kept looking for opportunities we, we kept thinking about it for, for a very brief period for like a week or something. Sarah was in the Dominaria set, even though the character was dead. We are like, <laughs> what if we brought her back? And then Kelly was just like, Kelly Diggs, who was uh, the creative lead on the set, was like, you know what? We, we, we literally have this dead character, Jaya Ballard, who we've been like, no, actually, she's not dead. She's
2: here. <laughs> I don't think we could do that twice in one set. <laughs> well, no, it's very easy, because this whole time, Sarah was actually Jaya Ballard. Oh, God. No. Right.
1: Sarah was Jaya Ballard, who was Mother Ludi. <laughs> it's very deep. It all
0: makes sense. All the dots have connected. Who was... Lim duel <laughs> and i <laughs> who
2: was merit Lage. <laughs> <laughs> yes now this is just sounding crazy ethan
1: um so the the other the other planeswalker slot though for um uh, Ren and 6 was very different early on uh and i think that the idea that uh that i had was so was shot down so thoroughly that I'm actually going to share it with the listeners because I really don't think it's going to go anywhere. <laughs> so the the idea that I had, you know, I, I as much as you know, this is the Vorthos cast, and I I want to I want to play into the Vorthos flavor of it. The design of Modern Horizons was super mel, and we had to like work hard in the later stages of the process to like Vorthos it up. Because we wanted it to, to appeal to all of the highly enfranchised players, but like the the initial like design work is super mel. And so, uh, you know, with 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 some exceptions, like obviously Sarah was was a very Vorthosi design, it, in a I don't know it, it <laughs> in a way. But uh, so, let me tell you about Iom of Mephidros.
3: Oh no, do not mention the name or else it's going to end up on the the wiki. Oh yeah,
1: (laughs) I'm sure. Um, So, Iom, 2BB, Legendary Planeswalker, Iom. Starts with three loyalty. Plus one, untap target swamp. It becomes a 4-4 black elemental creature until end of turn. It's still a land. Minus two, add B for each swamp you control. Minus five, you get an emblem with swamps you control have... Tap this land. Deals one damage to target creature or player. So you may recognize this as cough. It's cough of the hammer.
0: <laughs> I am of the that method. Was... Oh. <laughs> Complete with
1: uh, the acronym that uh spells their name. Uh, yeah. So like, I thought this was hilarious, but a lot of people in R and D were like this is disgusting like this is an insult right this is just like not only does it just like turn cough into a joke it just it just makes a mockery of the color pie and 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 people were really offended by this so they should uh, be it's yeah. from the Mephidros.
0: <laughs> N- not not gonna lie i would have been slightly upset if that had happened because like me personally i'm i'm still doing that hashtag cough watch until oh, he yeah. comes back, so that would have made me very, very <laughs> sad Flash, angry.
1: Well, then, then I'm glad we didn't make it, because
2: I think a lot of people would have would have been would been unhappy about it. I'm glad the card ended up as Ren and Six, because uh, yeah. she is a super unique character. Uh, we, Magic has a planeswalker with a tree mech now, and that is a sentence we can say, and that is just <laughs> awesome. Yeah, Bren- and
1: 6 is way cooler than uh, than IOM of Mephidroth ever would have been. And, like, we're definitely going to see Koth again. It's just, you know how slowly the storyline <laughs> moves when you have to release it in quarterly installments.
0: But, you know, uh, it is so much faster than it used to be, though, with the newer system. So, like... We're still getting like two to three times the story we got when Koth was first introduced. So, I hope we'll see. Yeah, us. it's it's true.
1: <laughs> instead of instead of stretching out a, a sort of three act struck three act mini story over a year, we now kind of have three stories each year. So, you know, four if you have a good story in the in the core set. So,
0: yeah. So, and which, which happens sometimes with, like, uh, your core set, Core 2019, had a really great story by Kate Elliott.
1: Yeah, that, that was one of my favorite magic stories of all time, actually. I really enjoyed that, and uh, I'm super happy that I was able to inspire something like that.
0: So, let's move on to our next question here. What legendary creatures were considered but not rejected? I'm sorry, what were considered but rejected? For instance, a lot of people have asked, you know, why Sissé over Gerard?
1: Oh, sure. Um, So Sissé was... yeah. So the the concept, the design concept, the goal for Sissé was to enable you to build a commander deck with the whole Weatherlight crew. So obviously this had to either be Gerard or Sissé, right? Uh, Yeah, I mean, that was was ours's plan, yeah. I mean I guess you could what was what was the character you tweeted about recently the uh uh Bra- Il- Ilsa Bravo or something
0: <laughs> Oh yeah um Ilsa like I L S A Ilsa Braven or something like yeah, that Yeah Ilsa
1: Braven um uh, but yeah not not a significant enough character to uh to be worth making a legendary card out of in my opinion but uh so In the story, Sisse was was the the first captain of the Weatherlight to appear in Magic's storyline. And she was the captain of the Weatherlight. And then she got kidnapped by Volrath. And Gerard had to come out of retirement, essentially, and go rescue her. And after that happened, after she'd been rescued, he kind of hogged the spotlight, in my opinion. He just kind of horned in and was bossing people. And it never really sat right with me. So... Uh, as much as gerard's legendary card is terrible and i think that it would be great to do a refresh for him at some point it really felt like the card i wanted leading my weatherlight crew was captain sisse because she's the captain and it just it, it it felt better to me all right so that's why we went for that There were a lot more legendary creatures in the file originally at at various points. Some of them were pilfered for War of the Spark. So Feather was in there and uh, Fibblethip was in there. And Doug Byer sent me an email like, Hey, uh, so we're doing this War of the Spark and I really think we should have Feather and Fibblethip there. I was like, well, that sounds like a good idea to me. In general, if I'm working on a, a supplementary set, and there's something that a standard legal set needs, like the standard legal set gets first dibs over a uh, an ancillary product. And let's see what else. We had Gerda Aegis' daughter, who appeared in a lot of Ooh. Ice Age flavor text. She was, uh, I believe, she was the one that like took over the School of the Unseen from Joda. She did like a, she like got him out of the way and uh, tried to take it over. And uh, or was that Gusta Abba's daughter? I always get those two confused.
0: There's like Gusta Ebba's daughter and Gerda Age's daughter, and they're like cousins. And one of them was mad that Joda was never going to leave the Archmage spot, drugged him, and they together they sold him to Limduel essentially.
1: Right. So yeah. So we we had her in the file for a while, and uh, Urza was a, a white blue card but then we uh we cut all of the two color almost all the two color legends out of the file um because we needed those in a different product that you know nothing about so we cut them down and then we're like we really need to have urza though like who is this gerda Aegis daughter said literal everyone else in r&d but me (laughs) and and so uh, yeah, so Urza became mono blue, and uh, Gerda Aegis' daughter exited stage left. Maybe we'll see her again sometime. I don't know. Um, some of the some of the uh, you know some of the the uh, cards that got cut were characters you know like Ashnod or Nevinrol, uh or Turi, who is uh, Kyra's <gasps> sister. Um, that would have been amazing. Your monsters for cutting her. I know it would be so cool. Uh, or Garth One Eye, he was in there for a while.
0: What? <laughs> I know.
1: What about Grover? Uh Grover Please. was not in there. What about Luton? Uh Nicole? you've you've been talking about Grover a lot lately, so that means I've been thinking about Grover a lot lately. <laughs> Good. Uh, and then there were there were some new legendaries uh characters that uh that didn't make it. I'm just gonna tell you their names. But uh Vandar, King of Thieves. These are all just the playtest names that I typed into the file also. Uh, so they, they don't have any creative significance. Uh, Arthur O'Pod. That's like a, if he was an Irish guy, O'Pod. Uh, uh, the Wise Crone. Um, oh, and then there's uh, The Remembrance, which is the uh, the equipment that, uh, that Dogatar had, right? Yeah. He smashed. Um, but yeah, none, none of those made it.
2: But uh yeah cuz a lot of, a lot of things got changed during the set design period. Empirical Emer- willing will get to see them all in Modern Horizons too. Yeah, I mean <laughs> yeah.
1: if we get to make that and you know signs signs are positive then uh, maybe we'll see them there or see them in some other thing or some of them may never may never show their face again. It may be that I'll never bring Gear to daughter to print cuz man just not very many people seem to believe that that's a, a character that people want to see. I don't know. Uh, I,
0: that makes me sad, but also the audience for that would be like exactly me and Beer and Boer and maybe like five other people.
1: She's in so much flavor text from Ice Age. A, she is. A, a set that several people played with. <laughs>
0: So you were talking about how stuff changed with set design. So I think that's a good segue to what went into the design of the iconic characters like Yagmoth, Urza, Mons, uh, Sisei, uh, and like Sarah. Right. So uh,
1: Sarah is the one that changed the least, I would say, from from the sort of initial design to the, the final design. The goal with Sarah was that every... Uh, ability every loyalty ability that she had would reference a card that was already creatively linked to sarah either by having her name in the card name or having her in the art so we the uh you know the um the, the exact uh abilities changed like the the first one was a reference to sarah ascendant and the and you know one of the abilities was a made a sarah avatar token but like we changed those so it was worship and sarah aviary instead but there was always the minus that made the the sarah angel token because that was obviously the most important thing right like nothing is more important than sarah angel when you're, we're talking about sarah ayula who was called ursula in playtesting, uh was uh also did not change very much um she originally only triggered when non-token bears entered the battlefield. And one of the modes that you could choose was to make a 2-2 bear token. But there are so few bear cards that um, Adam Prosak, the, the lead of the set designer, thought that it was important that she was able to be played with the, uh, the, the cards that make bear tokens. So changed it. So it triggers off of any bear and no longer makes bear tokens. But, and I think, I think that was the right call. Like that's. Definitely correct,
2: especially uh, with Ayu's influence in the set making yeah. all those bear tokens.
1: Yeah, so that that one didn't change very much. Urza and Moth changed completely. The um, the like uh, our original Yoggmoth sacrificed creatures, but almost every other particular is different. Uh, and then you know our our version of Urza was also very different. He was like sacking lands to do things with artifacts because urza ruined everything and destroyed teresier in his you know battle against mistra um wait what the uh, uh
2: spoiler alert for the brothers war
0: <laughs> i thought he was a hero whose name was tarnished
2: you mean the antiquity wars well oh, i mean shit.
1: either is correct right that's what i that's what i heard on the vorthos cast
0: yes. <laughs> i yagmoth is is funny because like the protection from humans is very flavorful but i would think that's also very relevant and modern too
1: yeah that i i don't know the exact story behind that but it certainly has all of the fingerprints of a like development tweak to position it in a metagame
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh what about for instance um did you talk about how urza oh you did talk about how urza change. uh mons
1: Oh, right, Mons. Let's see. Yeah, Mons changed considerably, but we knew that we wanted Mons to be a Goblin Tribal reward. Uh, both because that was a deck that we wanted to push in Modern, and also just because that was clearly... You know, we it, it's sort of an homage to Mons Johnson, who's a, a game designer at Wizards of the Coast, and a reference to the card Mons Goblin Raiders uh mons loves goblins and he loves goblin tribal commander decks uh so this was just like we needed to make a card we need like we knew we would succeed if we made a card that mons would want to play as his commander so <laughs> that was that was the design goal there uh and we knew that you know mons's tastes are uh you know normal enough that it wouldn't it would be a hit with the audience if we did that. Also, fair enough. There, there are some people who're like, if if so and so likes this, we shouldn't make it. <laughs> but Mons <laughs> is not one of those people. <laughs> oh, I'm me. I'm that person.
0: Mm-hmm. Florile loves it. No one else will. It,
1: we should make a ram card. Lorelei will love it. <laughs> you should.
0: I you you've spoiled her because now she has a homerid and like forever she will want you know the the next thing.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, that's right. You have power. All you have to do is send us a puzzle with RAM on it, and
2: I'm sure it'll all <laughs> come together. <laughs> Look, I did the puzzle thing, and then I did the "Let's make merit age jokes for a year before her card is out" thing. I have to do something bigger next. Oh, okay. Like, all right. The pranks just have to get bigger. And I don't know what's no, that, going to happen. That's fair. But you can't just repeat the same thing yeah.
1: over and over again.
0: Yeah, so I I feel like if the pranks are going to get any bigger, maybe don't record any evidence into a podcast. No, that was part of that was in a, that was a critical
2: part of that joke. <laughs> uh
0: all right. So, do you have a headcanon for Ayula's story? So since she's kind of your pet legend, what is your headcanon for her backstory?
1: You know, i I only started thinking about this like a day or so ago when somebody tweeted a similar question to me so I I don't have a whole lot developed yet I don't know what plane she's on either even I I like to imagine that she's maybe on Tarkir just because that's where all the bear punching happens but and and then you know maybe Ayula and Gorklaw know each other but uh not positive about that I do know that she's very regal uh but also very violent
2: and uh she likes memes <laughs> all all three qualities that real world bears are known for. Very true. I assume she's really into gay pride also. I'm here for <laughs> I'm here for the Ayula Gorclaw lesbian romance story. <laughs> they probably own a Subaru. Yeah. <laughs> At least one of them loves to weld. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> all right so uh our next kind of jumping off point here is there are some really popular tribes in this set that maybe weren't exactly what the modern crowd was expecting like slivers <laughs> and ninjas so what went into choosing I'm them s- rather I'm so than so sorry like, brian Ilk or merfolk <laughs> poor brian he's just weeping <laughs> this, this question is exclusively for brian Cause like every every card that came out, it's not elves, it's not elves. And then like the one Harrow elf came out, and he was like, "Yeah, I guess that it's it's an elf." All
1: right, so here's here's the story here. All right, ninjas were just nonsense. It was just because we wanted to make more ninjas. Uh, basically, I needed them for my cube, so that's why that <laughs>
0: happened. I can appreciate that. I, yeah. I have been asking for more ninjas, so.
1: So, the, when, and it's also important to remember, we didn't design the set yesterday, we designed the set like a year and a half ago. So, you know, think back to the modern metagame at the time, and elves and merfolk were pretty strong at that point. Um, and so, what we were trying to do, our, our sort of constructed goals for Modern Horizons were to lift up tier 2 decks and tier 3 decks and give them a better shot... But we had to sort of ignore the higher tier decks, the more powerful decks. I'm not sure if... I'm not a huge Modern expert, but... Um, Merfolk and Elves were pretty strong when we were working on Modern Horizons. And we already knew that there were some tools coming out in, uh, like, Corsa 2019 and such, that we didn't, didn't know how they were going to work out. So, we focused on those lower tier tribes like Slivers and Goblins, to try to raise them up to equivalent power level with elves and merfolk. Now, obviously, the metagame has continued to evolve since then. Elves and merfolk aren't quite as powerful as they were, but uh, you know, we had to had to work with the data we had
2: at the time. Obviously, I'm still super grateful we got slivers in this set.
1: Yeah, slivers are fun. They're really fun to design uh i i don't envy the art directors having to uh figure out how to make them all look different from each other but oh, Cynthia uh, fortunately great. that's she did a great job she did a great job and uh sam burley did a lot of early concept work that kind of solved
0: some of those problems yeah uh, i um I, I was very vocally not a fan of the original sliver design but these newer versions really solved a lot of the issues i had with it in terms of their legibility
1: yeah i mean the the art direction of magic has just improved so much since uh tempest block that uh, i'm i'm not surprised that we were able to find something better to do with them uh and there was just no there was no chance of us going to the like m14 style uh visual design for the slivers just because the audience reaction to that was profoundly negative
0: yeah, people, people, people were not a fan of the Predator slivers. No, um, no, no.
1: Please, Alien slivers only. No Predator slivers.
0: <laughs> I I liked the uh, I, I I didn't like all of them. I should say, but there were a few of them that were really good. I thought, but uh, yeah,
2: there were a couple I didn't like. I didn't mind them because we were going to a new plane with slivers, and they were taking different evolutionary paths. And they were doing, like, cool different things. Uh, if you go read, um, uh, God, what's the Hastrick story called? Um, How I Survived S- the Skep? Something like yeah. that. Yeah, it's an alternate um, Prisoner of the Skep. Prisoner of the Skep, there we go. Um, and Barton the Biologist. Yeah, I like those those stories. Yeah, those stories were both very good. And they we got really interesting looks into the Chandelar Sliver. I will call it a society. 'Cause like Hastrick catalogs the uh the thrums and the predators and the primes and then eventually the Hive Lord and there are rituals and carved histories in Amber and uh Slivers are doing weird stuff on Chandelar that we haven't seen them do on other planes, and that's kind of neat.
1: Yeah, and we don't even know where a lot of the slivers in Modern Horizons are. Like are these Dominarian slivers?
2: Are they somewhere else? I don't. Know. It 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 was uh really fun writing for this. Um, we had a, a fun time thinking about a lot of those old sliver flavor text conventions. Um, so we got like a Ruko Romel quote. Uh, they were the Time Spiral field guide flavor text for slivers character. So we got one of those in there. So that that was cool. Oh, so anything with that character is Dominaria. Yeah. So so we got, uh, there's a Ruka Rumel. Uh, there's a Benelish quote um, for something on uh, Lancer Sliver. So that puts that on Dominaria the, also. The pole arms one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, referencing talon slivers flavor text from tempest right because break out the pole arms because we got to do stuff like that in the set i don't know if you mentioned ethan but you were also on the creative text team with us
1: right i I, this is my this is my only creative text so uh, team so far i I got to work for alice and lures and we had this database uh, that kind of everybody could see what everybody was writing and like riff off of each other and it was it was fun i i went in very early on everyone was kind of like very tentative and you know being being maybe a little serious and, and a little straight laced i just went in and started writing some bananas nonsense oh it, it got was, it got ridiculous <laughs> everyone was like oh i
2: get it we got it we could just completely let loose here well because it wasn't like it was like there were specific instructions that i wasn't sure how to interpret and but then as as we kind of figured out what the set was i think i think everyone kind of unleashed um and we got um do you remember the bear hug debate i don't oh, remember if you um, were involved in that i think i was involved in that we were talking
1: about whether whether referencing bear hugs was too silly or too something. goofy for uh savage Swipe
2: the fight card. We like right. it was the most serious, lengthy debate of the project where where we were trying to figure out if we name a card Bear Hug, is that an uncard or is that a black bordered card? And and I, I like where that card ended up. Um I think it's fun and lighthearted without being like we got plenty of cards that got just obnoxiously goofy, like chiller pillar, but like it, that that was like the kinds of things we were talking about for this day. It was really fun
1: yeah it was it was super fun to just like i mean the the process of of f- naming a flavor text was super fun, especially early on with like the low hanging fruit uh as as we got lo- you know farther and farther into the process i uh had more design tasks that were competing for my attention and also just it got to be more hard work uh i can appreciate how difficult it is i was like oh this is starting to this is starting to feel like real work here instead of just fun." (laughs) (laughs) so i did not contribute as much in the later parts of the process as i did early on but uh uh, you know a lot of the stuff that i wrote made it through and it's, it's very uh Very exciting.
0: What are some of your favorite flavor texts that made it to the set? Independent from like flavor gems, like what's your favorite flavor text that made it into the set?
1: I I am totally in love with Segovian Angel. Um, Oh, it's so good. Just like the the fact that like we worked in Wurzel and Thommel, who are the two two characters, planeswalker characters from the very first Magic Fiction, a reference to Segovia. And then a brand new plane garganticar that <laughs> only exists because of this flavor text. Uh, you know, that that one is just my favorite. Uh, but I really like the Turg one also. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> For he croaked. excavating Anurid.
2: Like, it's so bad. There are so many grony puns in the set, but that is that is the worst one.
1: Yeah, and it's just it's just totally appropriate that it would uh, be on an anurid in the the, the like Odyssey reference because all the all the creative text from Odyssey was just horrendously rife with puns, because Mark Rosewater was in charge of it. Oh, it
0: works so good.: <laughs>
2: <laughs> One of my favorite things about the Segovian Angel flavor text, though, I was uh, talking to Kelly Diggs about it, and we agreed that this is probably the deepest cut in any flavor text in the history of magic. Barely beating out Clifftop Retreat from Dominaria with a reference to the angels saving Epetir, which is only in one issue of the Duelist as a short story. So like, this is this just like cutting to a rule book snippet thing is pretty intense.
0: The Epetir one was from like uh, an, actually an article uh, deck series that had like a little flavorful article before it
3: oh wow yeah like (laughs) the the Antasia style stuff
0: i think it was from the library of lang something like that one of those kinds of things
1: yeah i mean that stuff was on the wizard's website back in the ancient days of the world wide web but it is now i believe only accessible via archive.org
3: yeah i was about to say you could probably get slightly deeper with, like, some of the Encyclopedia Dominia stuff, or there were very short-lived story articles um, that, like, Jess LeBeau wrote on the website, but you went as far as you could.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I... I I still maintain that the deepest cut is actually Time of Ice's card name, which I had to is. dig deep into the Battle Mage video game to find. I, but uh, my
2: favorite thing about that story is when you told that story about having to play through Battle Mage, and an hour later, <laughs> April King just April dug name. out all the text data from the game
1: and handed it over. She's just the Alexander the Great of uh, Battle Mage.
3: There's a whole <laughs> bunch of strange stuff that's still like lingers in a lot of those games i know um jared carthalian's dad is or adam carthalian is still only known to be living as a shade on like one of the planes in the game because you can encounter him but only if you pick jared carthalian and you have like a one in four chance of encountering him if you take a certain path and it's like i did not know that yeah so adam (laughs) carthalian is still kicking it on dominari as a shade yeah not fun that, but <laughs> that game. i was happy
1: we managed to get the reference to jared carthelion on the same one of the cards and modern horizons also that was that was a fun little thing jeff gomez who was the
2: the editor-in-chief of those old comics really appreciated that we remember him and his work we, we got we got two references to the armada comics the uh the Carthalian was a direct quote from wafer number one um and then um uh dead of winter's flavor text the at last silence quote from De- tevisat was was there a discussion about how many s's should be in silence absolutely there <laughs> okay. was a discussion because i said we should do we should do the Tevasat thing and and throw some extra s's and then everyone said that was a bad idea and i felt bad
0: <sighs> i'm disappointed in everyone but lorelei
1: Everybody who knows that about Tevish thought just mentally adds it. So I, I know. Really that is very true. It's 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 what we call lenticular design. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So, outside of the flavor texts, what are your fla- favorite flavor references that made it into the set?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. Let me think a second here. Hmm. Mm. wow i really like that cloud shredder sliver is uh looks like that uh no that's not it let's be honest that's great but
2: it it is great that it the art actually references the original sky Knight legionnaire and we got a key phrase from that original flavor text on it too like that is very cool yeah, I
1: just I feel like so much of the my appreciation is so meta just like generous gift is like a white elephant gift, like yes. that kind of stuff is really what pushes my buttons more than like the dominaria style, uh you know Vorthos calls. Uh, Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What was your favorite um,
2: one of those? Oh my god! What about and Besieged? Can we just talk about that for a second? Yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> that card was file to print pretty much from what I saw. Yeah, I mean, what, what the hell? Um, <laughs>
1: that one is so meta though, right? It's a reference to the to the Mirrodim besieged pre-release event. Like, well, and obviously the, you know, the siege cycle from Dragons, of, or Fate Reforged. And the set name. Yeah, oh God. It's just so, it's on so many levels. It's all over the place. But I don't feel like that answers the question exactly either. Oh my God, there's gotta be something. <laughs> I'm looking through the set right now. It's so exciting. Every card in the
2: set is cool. Yeah.
1: yeah. the The thing is the the things the things that that excite me like the the like the pure Vorthos thing that excites me the most is the Sarah card. Like no question. Uh, but the 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 things that really push my buttons here are the 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 cards that refer to things outside of the. Um, internal universe of magic and refer to things about the game of magic in some way by either referring to other cards or or refer to things in know a, in, a, in an oblique way like splicers skill is kind of like this this weird pun right about the splice mechanic and the splicers from new phyrexia and phyrexian <laughs> splicer from what, a tempest block or something right so yeah like that's the stuff that really pushes my buttons Whereas, like, in Dominaria, the things that push my buttons were all just about, like, oh, here, it, this whole place feels like a cohesive world because all of this stuff connects to the old lore, right? Um, so it feels very different in that way. Hey, can we talk about Time Spiral a little bit? Yeah, sure. Because every time, every time somebody talks about Time Spiral, Lorelei goes, oh, <laughs> I have problems about Time Spiral and i want to talk about time spiral for at least a few minutes.
0: No, we got time. Go for it. If you got time, we got time.
1: If you're going to agree <laughs> with me, then i have time. I agree with you. I agree with you. Um maybe not for the same reason though, but the the thing that like the thing that bothers me about time spiral that we totally dodged with Dominaria was time spiral the style guide was all about this post-apocalyptic setting and it was all just broken
2: down by color good you're hitting on one of the major rants i have about the set why is a banalian and somebody
1: from corliss dressed exactly the same like why do they look the same they don't have the same they live on the opposite sides of the planet from each other there's no there's so little like of the cultural inspirations and the cultures that were invented on display in Dominaria. It's all just like this this weird gas mask future where everybody has their noses eaten off by acid rain or something. Yep. And it just feels it feels like it doesn't uh draw upon the history of the plane in a way that the Dominaria set did. I just that that was what bothered me so much just looking at looking at Time Spiral and then even more when I actually, you know, I I have access behind the scenes to all the the background material that we generate and you look through the time spiral style guide. It's just like, this is what a white human looks like. This is what a blue human looks like. And it's like, Oh, this is not, this is not what I want. Right.
0: Right. So can I, can I tell you something? We have an agenda Mm -hmm. that we had some features. We had talked about sitting in here forever. One is time spiral versus Dominaria and bullet point. Number two is lack of definition between cultures. For that All exact right. reason. It's well, then we'll just, just like treat this months.
1: conversation as a brief teaser <laughs> for what is going to be an in-depth look at Time Spiral versus Dominaria. There,
2: there is a whole, there is a whole section on the agenda of future things that I think are just listed Lorelai's rants.
1: Lorelai's so, rants. It's, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's on there. There are
0: three or four bullets under there, I think. <laughs> I mean,
1: there there were some cool things in Time Spiral where, like, they. Did some specific callbacks to specific things. Yeah, you know, like here's the here's the crown that the fallen angel wears, and and things like that. Um, or like here's a reference to um, Jacques Levert or something. Like we're gonna call back to him. Like okay, cool.
2: But um, Th- yeah. those references just felt like references. The set didn't feel like a world.
1: Right, and I th- I think that that was the big problem that we had to solve early on in Dominaria is what this world is about. Yeah,
2: Dominaria was the perfect magic set, I think. I'm inclined to agree. I'm I'm not going to
0: argue with that. No. <laughs>
2: um, I, I I think everything about that. I mean, like, there's a homerid. I mean, I like Modern Horizons a lot. Buy Modern
1: Horizons,
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah,
2: no, mod- Modern Modern <laughs> Horizons is really good too. And I I think Modern Horizons like like. Hashtag Watsy Staff. <laughs> Modern Horizons does do a lot of the Vorthosy things in a similar way that made Dominaria good too. I, I think between a lot of the card concepts and then our work with the names and flavor text, there are a lot of cards on Modern Horizons that feel cool in the way that Dominaria's cards felt cool.
0: I really appreciated stuff like Night of Old Benalia that mm-hmm. referenced that this was a time spiral reference block without going deep into <laughs> that time, the time portals that were everywhere in the art in the original set.
3: Yeah, let's get into Mishra going into the future real quick.
1: Yeah, what happened there? Is that canon? <laughs> Did that really happen? I don't,
3: I don't know. know.
0: <laughs> Maybe. It was an alternate past That was Mishra. one thing
1: we we kind of dodge with with the dominaria set we kind of didn't reference all that weird stuff that happened in the time spiral <laughs> like we t- we referenced stuff that happened in the time spiral novels but not so much the stuff that happened in the time spiral magic set
3: i feel like you guys did it in a very neutral way like an approach to that where you were able to do the legendary inst- well, legendary instance and sorceries without mm-hmm. like dragging the characters into the present and trying to find like some in fiction reason for why they were teleported there
1: yeah yeah maybe maybe we'll run out of ideas for legendary creatures in dominaria at some (laughs) point in the future
2: and be like okay time for some time portals i don't know well i I think a lot (laughs) of the work that those cards were doing in time spiral dominaria did through the legendary sorceries and the sagas
1: yeah and also there are just so many immortal characters right (laughs) that that there was no shortage of people that we just like (laughs) oh yeah this guy's still alive. Oh, yeah, so is she. Yep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Everyone fell into, like, a fountain of youth or got immortality somehow back in the day because they had to keep up with the immortal planeswalkers. Yeah. All right. So the let's, let's skip down. Um, we talked a lot about deep dive, so I'm going to skip that question. How do you balance your wants as a Vorthos? Because you're a big Vorthos. You're a big story fan. Mm-hmm. With the design needs of a set. So to give an example, there are a lot of people who will be like, well, why didn't you just put so-and-so into the set? And obviously it's not as simple as wanting to make the perfectly flavorful version of a card appear in a set. So like, what's the process and how do you balance that?
1: So in general, there's not a, a lot of conflict there. I believe that magic is at its best when the design and the creative and the story are all kind of working hand in hand and synergizing with each other and feeding off each other and you have a very pleasing synthesis when it it all comes together nicely so in the sort of broad strokes i don't have to sacrifice anything like i i get to it's it's to everyone's benefit if we're all working together and we make the most flavorful set we possibly can um when it comes to card by card, of course, though, you know, ultimately there, there are some concerns here. Like one of them is we're trying to make pieces of cardboard that people want to own. And that means that they, well, we can, we can do a few that are just like complete nonsense and just happen to tell a story. Uh, you know, like in the Wary is a great example of just like this card did stone, nothing basically until you know formats were later invented where you could use it for something right (laughs) yeah um but like told the story really well adorable card um now people have a lot more opportunities there are so many more formats now that cards have have more niches that they can inhabit um but you know people need to want to own it and also it you know it needs to uh, fulfill a, a purpose as a game piece in the larger metagames that it will inhabit. Usually this means standard or commander, right? That's, you know, a lot of Vortho, a lot of the sort of Vorthos shots are legendary creatures because they're very easy to uh, make recognizable, right? You just put the name of the character on the card. Everyone who's seen that name in any context can
2: recognize it, right? um so exactly like like classic fourth host all-star cards like ascended card name of the creature right in there <laughs> right. <laughs> 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 right but when if you get to
1: where where you're you don't have a proper noun in the name and it's a more oblique reference um to a storyline event which i'm having trouble thinking of an example at the, at the second but Uh, it can be a little more obscure which is fine like it's good it's good to make things that are you know accessible at different levels of uh of knowledge or investment um so sometimes it's important to like plant your flag and be like this is the character we're doing this don't screw this up developing team or whatever so like felled of the third path i was like here's the story we're telling yes i know it's a repetitive game state it's a repetitive story you got to do it this way and you know that, that's an example of a card where like i designed it and i wrote it all the way to print making sure nobody messed it up because
2: like, this one's important to get right we gotta get this one right appreciate it Cause, like especially with legendary creatures i think like rando pushed for constructed rare creature If it doesn't hit exactly flavorfully with the art and the name, it's less whatever. But, you know, the difference between Felden, like, doing the Felden thing and Ludovic doing whatever it is that card is doing is Mm -hmm. the difference between a card that people love and a card that people loathe. And, like, that's kind of where a lot of these legendary creatures kind of live and die.
1: Yeah, and so I, I, the the audience response to Ludovic was loud and clear, and like we definitely took it to heart and and take it, you know, pay attention to that kind of stuff when we're designing Legends now. If you see Urza and Yagmoth in this set, like these are powerful constructed cards, mm-hmm. like no doubt. And you know, if we were just designing purely for flavor, they probably wouldn't do exactly what they do. Like there are definitely. Some uh, some compromises made for gameplay and for format balance that that aren't necessarily in accord with flavor. But like, are they both really powerful? Yes. Is Urza definitely an artificer who <laughs> makes war machines that uh, you know artifact creatures? Yep, no doubt about that. Is Yawgmoth? definitely doing hideous experiments on people Uh, (laughs) and does he feel like he belongs in Phyrexia yep (laughs) like stupid sexy Yawgmoth oh god he is so (laughs) sexy. yeah there there's an example of a of a great Vorthos hit actually like I love how Yawgmoth turned out like Mark Winters knocked it out of the park with this Mark is so good he's so good and he's like very knowledgeable he read a bunch of novels preparing to for dominaria so like he knows the, the the lore quite well and you know he read the thran he read the brothers war he read a bunch of that stuff
0: so yeah. just so our, our listeners know who we're talking about it's mark winters who was a uh, former ad on our uh, art director for wizards of the coast and was the art director creative lead for dominaria
1: Right, and then he subsequently retired from art directing, and or at least for us, and, uh, but he still uh, illustrates magic cards, so he, uh, he illustrated Yawgmoth for us. And I'm sure he was really happy to get that assignment because uh, <laughs> he's, he's very invested in Dominaria and the background and all that stuff. So uh, he was able to like tie the visual design in with the the you know Yagmoth's vile offering and stuff like that. So it's pretty awesome.
0: The temptation to make him like repulsive was probably pretty strong. So I'm glad he went with the more flavorful, beautiful Yagmoth. Yeah, because he was oh, a very God, charismatic so and alluring figure, and he needed to look like it. Well, and he's like
1: the Satan of Magic the Gathering, right? Like, Oh, yeah, yeah. that's a good point. I want sexy Satan. I don't want ugly, <laughs> dumb-looking Satan. <laughs> no. Satan should be tempting, right?
0: You're not wrong. Yes, not that's wrong. why
1: Tybalt looks the way he does. <laughs>
2: oh, God, he is the snappiest dresser in the multiverse. I, I got to write a lapels line for him for Arena. That was really fun.
3: I believe it's the Avi'son Restored world-building panel at one of the PAX events, but Jeremy Jarvis like explicitly calls out Tibble as like a Versace planeswalker. Oh and yeah, I thought that. Absolutely. <laughs> was... <laughs> and that has stuck with me ever since as one of the 10 people that has watched that panel. He's my he's
2: my fancy trash son and I love him immensely. And I I lost my mind when I saw him in war and was like, "Wait, you're telling me I get to write Tibble?" <laughs>
3: circling back to the flavor text a real quick question you did write for modern horizons have you yes or no written for any sets since then uh no i have not Uh, do you plan to return to that stage someday uh i might
1: i might i've i've been i'm finding myself very invested in equestrian which is one of the upcoming sets so i may ask if i can uh if i can write some names and flavor text for that
2: Well, if you're interested, now I'm interested. Now I want to write Uh, for it. Equestrian (laughs) is so sweet, and you guys are going to get to see it in, like, years from now. (laughs) That's something I didn't appreciate when I started writing last year, is that, like, I'm a year in the future. I have to sit on so much cool stuff. This set is unbelievably (laughs) awesome. Yeah, I,
1: I generally work on stuff... Two or three years before anybody outside Wizards of the Coast sees it. So, uh, I it, it generally goes so long that I forget a lot of things about the set by the time <laughs> it comes out. And preview season is always like, wow, these cards are so cool. I love magic. That's <laughs> what happened. Like, no,
2: like legit. Um, we were going through Modern Horizons preview season and they were like, I totally forgot Mirrodin besieged was even a card. And then I got previewed, and I'm like, oh my god, that's right, that was amazing. And I thought that was amazing last year, and then I didn't remember it, and it exists now. It's interesting. Like, hopefully, if everyone should go buy Modern Horizons so we can get a Modern Horizons 2, hopefully, Ethan, you will be involved with that, because uh, I, I know how much you enjoyed working on this one, and uh, hopefully I can write for that one, too, because this is, this is just exactly the kind of set that i super enjoy writing for we got to do deep cuts we got to do goofy references we got to do lots of puns we got to just make new stuff um new funny stuff new serious stuff like we this this set has everything in it and we got to do a little bit of everything and and that was so much fun well it was super fun
1: from the design angle also and uh
2: yeah i think i think everybody
1: worked on it just had a blast and so uh if anybody buys it we will uh we'll probably make another one because goddamn, that was fun
3: (laughs) i'll circle back to one more thing the sarah was originally slotted for commander 2014 until she was usurped Ravidel was also slotted
1: uh, we we considered (laughs) everyone we could think of yes um I wouldn't say that Sarah was slotted so much as...
3: Just in consideration. The
1: process for Commander 14 was, like, we designed the Planeswalker cards bottom-up, you know, from a functional standpoint, and then we kind of found characters that that felt like they could could match them and then, like, tweaked the card designs to better match those characters, if that makes sense. Yes. So, um, yeah, so... I it was more just that if I'd known that we were going to have pre-mending planeswalkers, I would have started from a more top-down direction, I think. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I would have I would have been like, okay, we've gotta do Sarah, of course, and then we, we would have designed the the whole deck to work with Sarah. I would have been Angel Tribal or something. But uh as it was, we we designed the decks and we designed the the planeswalker characters to work with those decks and then if there was if there was a good creative fit like teferi worked worked well uh you know frailies worked well then we went with the the older characters and if there wasn't then we just uh made new characters like Doretti or uh or some some characters that that didn't exist you know, that, that weren't very well defined like uh nahiri the lithomancer who was just the lithomancer back then and uh obnixless in his sort of pre-demonic transformation form
2: yeah that was really cool i really like that and, and uh i don't know who illustrated that card offhand um uh, but having his helmet have the same array of spikes that mirror his horns as a demon is super cool
1: yeah um
2: that one turned out really nice
1: uh so yeah so sarah was never really never really considered um you know she was never like in the fire more
3: seriously yeah yeah
1: I mean, but yeah, I didn't even, I hadn't even read any of the comics. I found the story of the battle mage, Ravadel, on a website Mm -hmm. somewhere. And I was like, wow, this is a really long, breathless description of (laughs) this really (laughs) over-the-top
2: character. (laughs) Christina should have left him for dead. Yeah, really. That guy caused a lot of trouble.
0: So Uh, I originally hated that Doretti wasn't slow bad, but like... Doing a Planeswalker card for someone who was a Planeswalker for like five minutes probably uh, wouldn't have worked out well. And now I've got my beautiful Trash Son. So yeah, I mean, everybody.
1: I liked Aretti a lot. Uh, I actually like Slowbad a lot too. He's w- definitely one of the one of the more likable characters from those Mirrodin novels. But uh, yeah, it, it, that was just the thing. It was like he was a he was a walker for five minutes or something it would be like doing a planeswalker card for green sleeves or something just like this this person is barely even a planeswalker right
0: (laughs) all right well thank you very much for coming on to the show ethan uh this has been a great discussion and i know our listeners here were loving it as it went i think it's going to be a great episode thanks for giving us a peek behind the scenes
1: Oh, it was absolutely my pleasure i uh, listen to the show every week so it's super fun to uh, come on and talk about my uh,
0: latest set yeah i <laughs> so i i sometimes forget that people actually listen to this show and then i'll be reminded by uh, a contact here or there about something i said and have to remind them that i am in fact an idiot and i apologize for everything i've said on the show <laughs> So
2: if you too think Jay is an idiot sometimes and could use some pity money, you can head over to patreon.com slash the Everyone who donates to support the show gets access to our Discord community. We have Vorthoses from around the world discussing all the exciting new cards. We're about to head into a new preview season, so I'm sure that's going to drum up a lot of discussion. We've got Commander coming up soon in, what, August? August sounds right. Uh, that's going to be a whole new discussion. We always get some good Vorthos gems in those things, so if that's something you want to be part of, uh, head over to Patreon and uh, donate today. We super appreciate everyone who supports the show. We can't keep making this show every week
0: without y'all. Thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast.